This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. out man just don't freak out you know week one of the nfl season is in the books and everybody's freaking out man baker mayfield oh god man those interceptions he threw everybody's freaking out Jameis winston those three interceptions Ooh, he's gonna end up being the 32nd ranked quarterback in the nfl Ooh, gardner Minshew. oh he's well he's ready to take over that jags starting quarterback role don't freak out Everybody's freaking out. The first week, like I said, is in the books, guys. At least for the Sunday and Thursday games. We still have the Monday night game for me, so unfortunately I will not be able to cover that. So if this comes out on Tuesday, I apologize to all the people that were looking forward to the Monday breakdown. That will be coming out on Thursday. Now, we saw Jameis Winston, and obviously you guys know how much I've been supporting Jameis Winston throughout the whole entire offseason, you know, throughout preseason, and he had an absolutely terrible, terrible game. I'm only one person, so I have to go back and actually rewatch all the games and break down you know, certain players, see how I'm feeling about certain things. But I did go back and watch all three of Jameis Winston's interceptions. In my opinion, they were not on Jameis Winston. You know, the first one went out to the wide, to the wide receiver on the edge, and I believe the, the receiver ended up slipping or he didn't run his route right, but he didn't come back up to the ball on the outside, like he didn't make the cut to the outside. James Simpson threw it to a particular spot before he made the break, and it ended up going to Richard Sherman. I wasn't in the huddle, I'm not in the practices, I don't have a copy of their playbook, but to me it looks like the, the spot that the receiver was supposed to be in was on the outside. Then when it came to the second interception with O.J. Howard, it hit O.J. Howard right in the hands. Yeah, James Winston put a little bit of lossy on that, a little bit of oomph to it, but if he didn't, the linebackers would have closed in. And it would have been an incomplete pass. It should have been complete. And O.J. Howard messed up, went off his hands, and boom, interception. The third one ended up going to a running back out of the backfield, screen pass. Turns out the one, it looked like a linebacker actually got blocked back up into the, uh, the running back. And the, the running back actually got held up. So Jameis Winston threw it to a spot that the, the running back was supposed to be in. In my opinion, it was actually defensive holding or defensive pass interference. However, they didn't call it. Hey, it happens. He got blocked back up into him. So they're just going to call it a collision. But it was an interception that went to the, I believe, safety or cornerback right there. I still have faith in Jameis Winston. I mean, I push all my chips in on him. So I'm hoping that he does perform. I have multiple shares of uh, Mike Evans, multiple shares of Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, and Jameis Winston himself. So I still want to see what this team has for the future. It's a brand new system. You know, a brand new head coach for the Buccaneers. And I think Bruce Arians can, can put some glue on this team and hold it together and get Jameis Winston on the right page. Jameis Winston's still growing. He has a lot to learn, man. He was extremely immature when he came into this league. He still has a lot of growing to do. I can still see him finishing up as a top 10 quarterback. Quarterbacks have bad games. I mean, look at Ben Roethlisberger. Are you guys completely fading out on Ben Roethlisberger? 
Absolutely not. Quarterbacks have bad games. Jameis Winston, in my opinion, is still a viable fantasy option. Don't freak out and drop him. Just don't do it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to talk about a few games, uh, a few different highlights and a few players that, you know, definitely stood out, such as like John Ross or, hey, John Brown. We're going to go over all the Johns. But before we end up going into a breakdown, I'm going to talk about something that I think you guys want to talk about, which is where I fucked up. You know, we're going to go through a few different things of what I you know, got right and a few different things of what I got wrong. But a lot of different fantasy analysts, they hide behind the wrong picks that they make. And they only talk about the positive things they did because, hey, they don't want to be wrong. And they maintain their clientele by being right and helping their clientele make money. Well, with me, I want to talk about my mistakes and let you know why I made those mistakes. And if they can be reconciled, you know, the upcoming week or if I'm going to be completely off that player, you know, if I didn't like the system. Once again, it's going to be a brief breakdown compared to an in-depth one. But I want to talk about where I fucked up, guys. So welcome to this next segment. Flawless victory, and that's erroneous. that song does not get you hype, I don't know what does, man. I feel like I want to go and run like 10 miles right now, but I got this podcast to do. So anyways, guys, we're going to go into where I fucked up and, you know, that's erroneous. And then there's some of the stuff that got correct as well. And we're going to go ahead and start out with the thing that I already brought up, which is going to be Tampa Bay and all their players go off this week. Erroneous. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. Jameis Winston. And Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard, Mike Evans, they all pretty much let you down. Luckily, Chris Godwin did get in the end zone, ended up having, I believe, 53 yards towards the end of the game. But outside of that, nobody really produced. Thought this was going to end up being a shootout. Well, I was wrong. The defense for the 49ers just frustrated them the entire time. So I need to see a little bit more from Jameis Winston before I actually have any kind of faith in starting him. He is still a hold for me right now. He's got the Carolina Panthers next week, uh, followed up with the New York Giants, the Rams, the Saints, the Panthers. I mean, I've already been through the schedule multiple times, and I still really, really love their schedule. So I have to have a little bit of faith. I'm not dropping Jameis Winston yet. I'm not dropping uh, O.J. Howard just yet. You know, they might be stashes for me. Obviously, you're still going to end up starting Chris Godwin. You're still going to end up starting Mike Evans. This upcoming week might turn into a little bit of a shootout that we were hoping for this past week. I need to see that Bruce Arians can handle this so I can understand it if the only two possible starters on this team are Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. We just have to see how it shakes out. So on to my next one. Lamar Jackson finishes as a top three quarterback this week against Miami. Flawless victory. This was my number one pick. This was my biggest belief. I was a diehard truther on this one. Lamar Jackson, for me, was a top three quarterback this week, and he produced, putting up 42 fantasy points in most leagues, five touchdowns, 324 yards, and he only ran for six yards. Imagine what happens when he actually has to scramble. He fixed his downfield mechanics. His ball looks so pretty. He wasn't missing wide receivers. He was hitting right on the head. I mean, he was 17 for 20. He posted 158.3 passer rating. So, boom, to all you Lamar Jackson haters. Love it. 
He ended up crushing it this week and I'm looking forward to the following week. He's gonna get to face Arizona, who Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford just put up 34 points against. I'll be in an overtime as well, but he still was a monster. I'm excited, super excited for the Samar Jackson matchup next week. My next prediction is gonna be Zay Jones. Erroneous, erroneous, erroneous on both counts. Oh Lord. Yeah, I messed up big on that one, guys. I definitely thought he was gonna be a bigger part of the offense. Obviously, they wanted to go downfield to John Brown, and I understood that was gonna happen. I just thought that Zay Jones' touch count would be a lot higher. I, I need to see if Zay Jones can still perform. But he is still safe to leave on the waiver wire for you guys. Nobody's going to end up picking him this week. Leave Zay Jones on the waiver wire, but I definitely messed up on that one. Man, there are so many ones that I got right. I don't know who to, who to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup just shredded, shredded the New York Giants defense. I have Michael Gallup in definitely a few leagues as a backup receiver. Flawless victory. Mar Amari Cooper is extremely, extremely inefficient. Extremely unreliable. They have this new offensive system, though, where they take what the defense gives them. Well, the defense is never going to focus on taking away Michael Gallup because he's literally all over the field in different spots. He plays every role that he's asked to play, and he had a phenomenal, phenomenal game this past week. Ended up having seven catches for 158 yards, which in half-point PPR was 17.3 points. Ended up crushing this game. This is not the last time you're going to hear Michael Gallup. I don't even think this is a career game. I want to see more out of Michael Gallup. The only thing that he was missing this game was touchdowns. But if you're a Michael Gallup owner, you are somebody that's extremely, extremely happy that you listen to me. Keep on plugging away at Michael Gallup. Next week, he has the Washington Redskins, which shows they have communication issues in that secondary, and they have had communication issues for the past two or three years now. They are not going to get any better, and that Kellen Moore offense, if it keeps pumping away the way that it has this past week, is going to shred up the Washington Redskins defense, and I'm extremely, extremely sad about it because I am a Redskins fan. So, boom, keep Michael Gallup on those rosters, and feel free to play him this upcoming week. Next one, the Cincinnati Bengals' offensive line woes would not allow Zach Taylor's offensive system to succeed. Erroneous! Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. Oh, Lord. The Bengals offense looked awesome. I was not a believer in the Bengals offense. I even had John Ross in a few leagues, dropped him, completely regret it right now. He was the second highest scoring wide receiver, ended up getting seven receptions for 158 yards, just like Michael Gallup, but he also had two touchdowns. This offense is humming. Zay Jones is going to be a huge part of it. He talked about it in the offseason, and I was behind him all the way until I saw the offensive line of the Bengals. And I was like, wait, how are they going to have time to get it to him? Well, they proved different ways, and they proved that they can game plan for him. Cincinnati did an excellent job this past week, although it's kind of a bummer that they only lost, that they ended up losing by one point. I was completely, completely wrong about the whole entire Cincinnati's offense, especially John Ross. John Ross is somebody that you have to grab up, and we have to keep watching him. I don't know if he's startable next week, but he has to be rostered. You have to pick up John Ross, because if he's somebody that they're using as a weapon constantly, until A.J. Green gets back, or even once he's back and they keep on using him the way that he is, I am going to be stoked that I'm a John Ross owner. Pick up John Ross, just keep him on the back of your rosters, and see if they game plan for him again this next week. Get excited, guys, for John Ross. I am sorry that I ended up whiffing on him. 
My next guy that I'm talking about is going to be Devontae Parker. Now, Devontae Parker did not have a huge game this week. In fact, if you, if you rostered him, he ended up only putting up, what, about nine points or so. However, he made some incredible, incredible catches. Catches that normal players don't make. Flawless victory. I believe that the Dolphins showed that they did make the right investment keeping Devontae Parker on the roster. I do not feel like every single week Devontae Parker is going to go off, but there are some weeks where they have weaker cornerbacks, and you can end up throwing Devontae Parker in there as a flex option. He's going to put up 9 to 12 points. There are even some weeks where he ends up putting up 20 points if he gets the volume. That Miami team is terrible. There are multiple reports coming in that there are upwards of 10 plus players now requesting trades from the Miami Dolphins. This team's going to fall apart, but Devontae Parker is going to stick with this team, I believe, and show them that they made the right decision re-signing him to a long-term contract. I feel like Devontae Parker could end up being a beast this year and a beast in fantasy. If this rebuild works and it turns around a lot quicker than what they anticipated, Devontae Parker is a must-own in Dynasty Leagues. Get Devontae Parker on your rosters. Don't expect him to go off every single week, but he's the only person on that team with any kind of offensive talent. He showed that he is capable of being a number one wide receiver with the types of catches he was making under duress against a tremendous, tremendous Baltimore Ravens defense. I am going to consider myself right on this Devontae Parker pick because I said he would not go off this week, but he need to be picked up before the waiver wires hit. And before these players that are in your league, realize that he's going to be the focal point of this offense. He is the number one option in this offense. There is no other one. Get Devontae Parker on your roster. And just a little bonus for the Dynasty owners. Preston Williams ended up having three receptions on five targets and one touchdown. So just keep that in mind. He might be the red zone target that I thought he was, that I was talking about in the offseason prior to that second preseason game. Keep an eye on Preston Williams. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up with that segment. And I'm just going to go in a few different storylines of this upcoming week and then waiver wire grabs to finish up the show. So super, super excited to be going through this with you guys. Our next segment is going to be the weekend recap. So there were some huge fantasy implications and impacts that happened that I either got wrong, I got right. Either way, we're going to talk about some of the biggest storylines that's actually going to affect fantasy football for this upcoming week and potentially the whole entire season, such as you play every single option that you have up against the Miami Dolphins. That even includes backup quarterbacks in some case scenarios. So... That's one of them. Uh, the second one is to be Antonio Brown. Now, you probably heard every little whisper, every little ounce of information out there just because that's all ESPN and all those other big-time podcasts want to talk about. So I'm not going to be covering Antonio Brown that much. I'm just going to talk about his fantasy relevance, what I'm going to personally do because I do have Antonio Brown on one of my teams. This team that I have is a dynasty league. They are championship caliber. I couldn't end up making a run with this team. So I'm going to hold on to Antonio Brown for now. But the sell high opportunity for Antonio Brown is right now, maybe after this week or the next week, but this could be the highest point. If 
the Patriots end up dominating with this wide receiver core, which is phenomenal, I would say that Gronk's chances of coming back go through the roof. Gronk doesn't want to be the main option there. He doesn't want to keep on getting hit. He doesn't want to get double teamed every single play. Well, guess what? That's not going to happen. You now have Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, Philip Dorsett to go deep, Demarius Thomas, Julian Edelman, and then underneath you still have to defend James White, Rex Burkhead, Sonny Michel. How many people can you put on Gronk? The answer is one, if that. Gronk is going to be the weakest option in that offense, but the thing is, is that name carries weight. Tremendous weight. And that weight is going to end up hitting Antonio Brown's trade value enormously. So what I would do in a redraft league is I would end up trading away for a combination of two players like a Marlon Mack and maybe Cooper Cup or Marlon Mack and Tyler Lockett. Somebody that might have not had a great week this week, but you still believe in, you still love. Trade Antonio Brown for two of those top tier players to somebody that ends up loving Antonio Brown, that wants him on the team. Trade him away to somebody that feels like they have the roster to be able to trade one of their top options because of the, the depth on that roster. Give them Antonio Brown and pick up those two other players that might not have had the best week, but have a ton of promise for the future. That's just my take on Antonio Brown. Do what you guys want to do. I'm going to leave the rest of the Antonio Brown news up to the mainstream outlets. I don't want to talk about him. I've already heard enough about him myself. So on to the next one, the Tennessee Titans and how I actually got that wrong, facing off against the Browns. I did think the Browns were a little bit overrated coming in. I don't like their head coach situation. He's not an experienced guy, especially when it comes to dealing with egos. I'm not saying that the Browns are going to end up losing. I just don't know how well they mesh, but the Titans tore their asses up. Man, I'm really, really disappointed that I ended up missing completely on Marcus Mariota. He went on to actually have a great game. He ended up having, I believe, three touchdowns on almost 250 yards pass, and I believe it was 248 yards. Showed that he might have actually gotten over that injury bug. You know, I was rooting the entire time for Tannenhill, but Marcus Mariota's definitely done more than enough to hold on to his job. Once again, I also whiffed on Derrick Henry to an extent. I mean, I wasn't down on Derrick Henry. I just didn't really see him as a top 10 running back option. But this week, he proved he could be. We'll see if that continues. He ended up having 19 attempts for 84 yards, touchdown, and then one reception for 75 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, shows that big play potential once again. I need to see this a few more times before I become a believer in Tennessee. But this was definitely a big step forward for me to be able to realize, hey, there is fantasy relevance in Tennessee. My next topic is going to be what the hell are they putting in the water for the wide receivers? Normally, we see rookie running backs go off on a regular basis, but when it comes to rookie wide receivers, it takes two to three years to develop. But this past week, this past week alone, we ended up having Marquise Brown just go off 28.7 points, four receptions, 47, 147 yards, two touchdowns. That's nuts. Then we had Terry McLaurin go off as well. We had him with five receptions for 125 yards and one touchdown. That's 21 points. We ended up having DK Metcalf light the world on fire, which I didn't really see coming. I liked Metcalf, but I didn't really see that one coming. He ended up breaking two records. He held in Six receptions on seven targets for a total of 89 yards, breaking largest long-standing record of five catches for 86 yards in the franchise's first ever game. The funniest part was he actually showed up 
in a Steve Largent jersey and then broke the record for receptions and receiving yards by a receiver in their NFL debut. Gotta love that one. Then on top of that, A.J. Brown, Tennessee, ended up having three receptions for 100 yards. So you're talking about 11.5 points for a rookie wide receiver on opening week. Preston Williams, who we just brought up in the last segment, 9.9 fantasy points on three receptions, 24 yards, and a touchdown. So this undrafted rookie still got in the end zone for red zone targets. He ended up having five total targets. So he got it in. Hell, even throw Miles Boykin in there. Ended up finishing with one reception for a touchdown. Hey, five yards, I'll take it from a rookie. Let's still talk about seven fantasy points from a rookie for those deep leaguers. And then last but not least, we had Keyshawn Johnson, who ended up finishing up with 7.1 fantasy points on five receptions for 46 yards. He's a sixth rounder, a sixth rounder. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a, a time where we had so many rookie wide receivers in week one. Maybe that's a fluke, but a lot of these rookie wide receivers are sitting on the waivers. Hey, I'm not saying for future years get too excited about rookie wide receivers, but maybe this year is the exception of the rule. I thought we had an extremely, extremely deep wide receiver rookie draft this year. There wasn't a ton of talent at the top, but all these players can be viable starters on their team. I want to see more before I start any of them, but hey, this could be the year of the rookie wide receiver, man. We've had the, the quarterback year before. We've had the running back year before, so this could be, end up being the best thing since you know the Odell Beckham Sammy Watkins draft. We'll see what happens with that. My next big storyline was they tried the infinite. They tried the endless. They tried the old man Frank Gore in Buffalo. Unfortunately, did not work. So with six minutes remaining in the third quarter, they ended up throwing Devin Singletary in. In that short amount of time, Devin Singletary ended up rushing four times for 70 yards and adding five catches for 28 yards on six targets. He ended up going off. Singletary, in my opinion, is going to be the starting running back. He ended up putting up 12.3 fantasy points in PPR leagues. I mean, honestly, he could be startable. If he did that in a quarter and a third, quarter and a half, like that's insane. Keep it on Devin Singletary. I could be starting him this week against the Giants in week two, he could end up having a monster game. Devin Singletary is a huge storyline this year because he's still a free agent in a lot of leagues. Go ahead and pick up Devin Singletary off the waiver wire and hell, this storyline is going to be intense. My next story is going to be the Jaguars. Nick Foles ends up getting placed on IR. I know the Gardner Minshew went off, but he went off against a terrible Chiefs defense. Yes, they have improved slightly, but a terrible Chiefs defense. They didn't study for him. They didn't prepare for him. So if he ends up being the starting quarterback after two or three games and these teams start figuring out Garner Minshew, I do not think that is good for anybody on the Jaguars, including Leonard Fournette. Keep an eye on this situation. Figure out who the targets are going to for him because that's super, super unfortunate for Diddy Westbrook, who was supposed to be the guy with Nick Foles in the lineup. But I'm not going to be starting any Jaguars this upcoming week. Just for a side note, they ended up picking up Josh Dobbs, who's a backup. I really like Josh Dobbs. But yeah, if, if just for the record, if Garner Minshew ends up going out, Josh Dobbs is the replacement for Garner Minshew. Tevin Coleman for the San Francisco 49ers is going to miss some time. So some people might want to pick up Raheem Mostert, who is the backup to now Matt Breida. If Matt Breida is on your waiver wire, grab him up immediately. Make him your number one waiver wire claim. He was one of the most effective and efficient 
running backs last year, played through every injury, every single time he got hurt. He's not one to go out and sit on the sidelines. Matt Breida could be a league winner if he's on your waiver wire. However, I know he's picked up already in a lot of leagues. Philip Dorsett is another huge storyline. I don't know if it's going to end up being relevant with the Patriots after Antonio Brown comes on the field, but if they do end up running some more four wide receiver sets, they could end up taking some pages out from Cliff Kingsbury's system and just make them better than what Cliff Kingsbury would end up doing it. That's what the Patriots are known for, is taking a system and tweaking it to make it their own, so you can't even call it anything. Philip Dorsett could end up being valuable in this type of role. We'll see what happens with Philip Dorsett once Antonio Brown comes back. But another storyline was Demarius Thomas still being with the team. I don't think he has any fancy relevance now that Philip Dorsett can prove that he is a valuable option for the Patriots. And Tom Brady, of course. Another storyline with the Patriots is Rex Burkhead. He ended up leading the running backs when it comes to efficiency. That's scary once again. I hate Patriots running backs. I'm getting as far away from them as possible. For the Colts, Stephen Funches ended up breaking his collarbone. I don't know how much fantasy relevance that has, but hey, it does open up the door a little bit for the rookie. So we'll see what happens with Paris Campbell as well. See if he ends up getting an increase in targets. He was not relevant at all this past game. George Kittle still saw an insane amount of targets. 10 targets went to George Kittle for that game. So that's obviously something to note. And then going with an earlier trend of things that don't normally happen for rookies, this could be huge. Huge, because I'm not used to the Lions using their tight end, a la Eric Ebron. He really didn't do anything for them. But TJ Hawkinson went 6 for 9 for 131 yards and a touchdown. That's insane. You don't see rookie tight ends do this kind of stuff. If he's able to produce at such an early age as a tight end, watch out NFL. This guy could be nuts. If I'm in Dynasty and I'm checking on this guy, and I see another two or three extremely, extremely solid performances, I might be selling the farm for him. It's very, very, very rare that you get a tight end produce for more than four or five years. If this guy starts producing at such an early age and doesn't even hit his age apex for tight end for another six years or so, that's going to be nuts. You're getting close to 10 years of production out of rookie tight end. Keep an eye on him. These rookies are crazy, man. They're just crazy. Um, I'm really excited to see these rookies. Uh, Tyler Lockett was not targeted until the fourth quarter. That's nuts. I don't know if they just completely took him out of the game. I need to rewatch the film on this. Then we had Evan Ingram, who had 14 targets. Evan Ingram, 14 targets. I was watching this game. They were purposely designing plays for him. Screen passes, short passes. They were getting him every single touch they could. I know I said I was not a fan of Evan Ingram. If I see another 14 target game anytime within the next two to three games, I'm going to try and acquire Evan Ingram. But the thing is, is he's going to be a sell-high candidate. So if you're an Evan Ingram truther and you really love Evan Ingram, you have some a couple extra players on your team and your tight end position is not looking good, go ahead and give them to acquire Evan Ingram. You're going to be playing with a little bit of fire when this one, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. It looks like they game plan for this, but if he is part of their game plan on a regular basis, then I was dead wrong on this shit, and it's going, to be, it's going to be a good news for all you Evan Ingram owners. The Cardinals got off to an extremely slow start, so that's going to be my next topic. If the Cardinals show what they did against the Lions in the fourth quarter, that includes David Johnson, that includes Kyler Murray, and show that they can produce earlier in a game, then all of a sudden there is fantasy relevance there. But if they can't get started up until the second half of most of their games, I'm going to stay away from most Arizona players, period. I don't care if they end up producing. I'm not going to rely on the fourth quarter to put up all the points. 
So I'm gonna try and close this out guys because I can honestly talk about all the updates and everything all day long. So I'm gonna go to Tyreek Hill. Uh, did, he avoided surgery, but he'll be out for at least a few weeks. So that's great news for Sammy Watkins owners who everybody knows Sammy Watkins went off this week. He was the number one wide receiver, I believe. Then we have Leonard Fournette and Saquon Barkley. I know Leonard Fournette lost his first fumble of his career, and then Saquon Barkley had his first fumble of his career, although he didn't lose it. It's just kind of funny. I don't think it's really newsworthy. I don't think either one of them are going to be yeah, fumble prone. Mark Andrews goes off. Le'Veon Bell totals 92 yards, but the biggest thing to note was Le'Veon Bell played every single snap. Hell, if he plays every single snap, I'm going to need to see more than 92 yards from Le'Veon Bell. My biggest fear was the offensive line, and it showed this week. Le'Veon Bell is somebody that obviously you're starting. However, there could be weeks where if you drafted a three running backs to start it out, four running backs started out, there might be a better option if they go up against an extremely tough defense that loves to load that defensive line up. The Dallas Cowboys looked phenomenal. Like I already talked about with Michael Gallup, I love the way that the Dallas Cowboys operated. I watched the entire game, and it was extremely, extremely enjoyable from a fantasy football aspect. I mean, literally every single player put up points. Even Jason Witten ended up getting to the touchdown, which was pretty cool to watch. I, uh, I really like the Dallas Cowboys this year from a fantasy football option. I see a ton, a ton, a ton of consistency because they're going to take what the defense gives them. And I think that they have too many weapons on the field to stop them as a whole. So the Dallas Cowboys for me are going to be a huge storyline throughout the year on players that you can start in tight situations such as Michael Gallup. I'm definitely starting them next week, which I already talked about. And then my last one is going to be the Baltimore Ravens and how great they looked. I love, love, love the Baltimore Ravens this year. I'll tell you what. Now, the Baltimore Ravens have so much speed on the field, so much talent on the field. Mark Andrews looked phenomenal. Brown, Marquise Brown looked phenomenal. Lamar Jackson looked phenomenal. Willie Sneed looked great. Mark Ingram looked great. Justice Hill looked great. I love the Baltimore Ravens this year. Yes, they had a very, very easy matchup. So I should probably be slowing my roll a little bit. But guess what? Next week they have another great matchup up against the Arizona Cardinals who don't have their top two cornerbacks. The only thing that scares me away from the Baltimore Ravens was their usage of Gus Edwards. I thought it was a little bit strange. He ended up having... 17 rushes for 56 yards, so a little bit over three yards carry, I believe. Yeah, a little bit over three yards carry. When they have Justice Hill still, who, you know, is obviously a spark, he didn't get any passing on work, which I thought was kind of strange. I'm a little bit curious to see where they end up going with this backfield when it comes to everybody behind Mark Ingram, because I obviously want Justice Hill to get some touches, but I don't even know if they targeted a running back. And if they did target a running back, none of them got any catches. So I need to see what happens in this backfield with the Ravens before I buy completely into Justice Hill being a potential flex option. So hopping on to our next segment, we're gonna call it Love Me, where we're gonna talk about some of the waiver wire pickups, uh, some of the opportunities to get guys that are on your waiver wire, people that you're looking for. I'm just gonna pull up a few of my leagues and see who's out there and yeah, go off of uh, you know percentage owned. So anybody that's you know less than 75% owned or so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about a little bit. Love me, say that you love 
right, guys, on to love me, love me. All right, we're gonna be talking about waiver wire pickups like we discussed, a few different players such as John Ross, who I'm gonna start out with. You know, players that produce at extremely high levels but aren't rostered in very many leagues. So his roster owners percentage in ESPN leagues are going to be 4.8%. That's obviously nothing. He had a phenomenal game scoring 34.8 points. You know, and is he somebody that's worth rostering? In my opinion, yes. He does have a couple tough matchups against San Francisco and Buffalo. However, he has Pittsburgh, Arizona, tough one against Baltimore, potentially against Jacksonville, but he ends up finishing the season out pretty strong with the Rams, and it's, his schedule only gets easier. John Ross, although he will have his ups and downs, could end up having an extremely productive season if, if they end up running their offense through him. Marquise Brown's up next, and Marquise Brown went off as well. You guys have heard me talk about it already. I don't even know if I need to go into it, but I'm definitely rostering Marquise Brown, who's only 1.1% owned. If Lamar Jackson throws two or three deep balls a game and Marquise Brown gets both of them or even one of them, ends up putting up a 60-yard touchdown, 40-yard touchdown, doesn't matter what it is. I'm still going to be rostering Marquise Brown for his potential upside, especially in matchups. He goes up against the Arizona Cardinals. Next, Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers. Cincinnati Bengals, Seattle Seahawks. Out of all those guys, the only game that he's not likely to put up a ton of points against is going to be Seattle. But every other game on this schedule, they're going to have to score to keep up with it or their defense that they're playing is completely depleted, such as Arizona. Marquise Brown has huge, huge upside. I am getting Marquise Brown as my, one of my number one waiver wire pickups. Case Keenum. Should you roster Case Keenum? That's interesting. Case Keenum looked great in the first half up against Philly, and then his team as a whole kind of fell apart. Did not look good in the second half. I, for one, am not going to be rostering Case Keenum. He did put up 27.2 fantasy points in my league. But he has Dallas, Chicago. Then he has the New York Giants, which is easy. But then they have New England, Miami, which is easy. But then San Fran and Minnesota. So two out of the next seven games are startable. The other five are not. I'm not rostering Case Keenum unless you need a daily streamer or a streamer this week. Leave them on the waiver wires. Philip Dorsett put up 25.5 points, rostered in 0.6% of leagues. Hey, I love him in daily, Believe him on the bench to get Antonio Brown coming back. I just don't see the point in picking up Philip Dorsett. There's just too many weapons. You never know the week that he's gonna go off. TJ Hawkinson ended up having a phenomenal game. We already talked about it, 25.1 fantasy points. He's rostered in 30% of leagues. Rookie tight ends don't typically produce. I don't know if Detroit was trying to make a point saying that they're going to use him or if he was just open. I don't know if the game plan was towards him. I'm going to have to rewatch this game footage, but I'm still going to make a roster claim for TJ Hawkinson, especially if I have a weak tight end position like OJ Howard, who we don't know what's going to happen with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want a backup option. TJ Hawkinson could be it. His upcoming schedule is showing that he needs to score. They're going to have to go up against the Chargers, put up some points. Philadelphia, they're going to have to put up some points. Kansas City, they're going to have to put up points. Then they have a bye. But then Green Bay, the only tough matchup that I can really see in this is the following game in Week 7 against Minnesota. And then they have the Giants, which is an easy one as well. TJ Hawkinson could be a monster this year. We'll see if he can replicate Week 1 and have another big few weeks. Grab TJ Hawkinson off your waiver wires. Terry McLaurin, they wanted Terry McLaurin to stay out of the preseason. They didn't give him any reps because they believe Terry McLaurin is actually the number one wide receiver in Washington. He put up 23.5 points this past week. He's only rostered in 7.3% of leagues. I think he's a definite pickup. 
His schedule, although tough, shows a phenomenal option putting your flex on a few weeks. For example, he goes up against Dallas, which they're going to have to score, so he could have a big game against Dallas. Chicago, obviously you're not going to start him against Chicago. The Redskins aren't going to have an offensive line to block, so I'm not starting Terry McLaurin in Chicago. But then they have the Giants, New England, who they're going to have to score against, Miami, San Francisco, and then Minnesota, who I'm not starting. So I'm actually starting five out of the next seven games as a flex option, potentially. Obviously, it depends on your roster, but you need to at least get Terry McLaurin on your team. Danny Amendola, he's up next, and he's an extremely interesting prospect. He put up 23.4 points, and he has owned in 3.4% of leagues right now. Honestly, he's interesting for me because if you're in a PPR league, I think you might have to grab him up. I mean, his schedule isn't exactly promising, but he does have a few advantageous matchups against the Chargers. Then he plays Philly. Obviously, I wouldn't really play him against Philly because they guard underneath receivers really well. Uh, Kansas City could be great. Green Bay could be great. Minnesota, no. I feel like Minnesota's playing like every team that we've talked about when it comes to, to roster pickups. And then uh, the Giants after that. So he has a few different matchups. But if you're in standard leagues, I think you're safe to leave him on the bench. We don't know his utilization yet. Yes, Matthew Stafford loves those slot underneath receivers. We saw it with Golden Tate, and we saw him struggle last year without that slot wide receiver. So Danny Amendola could get the volume. It's just about the output of yardage that he gets after the reception. So like I said, PPR, I'd probably grab him up. When it comes to standard leagues, you can go ahead and leave him on your waivers. Marcus Mariota. He had a solid, solid game. Put up 24.3 points. He's rostered in 6.2% of leagues. But looking at his matchups, I don't really know if I can trust it. He ends up having Indy, then Jacksonville, Atlanta, which is great. Buffalo, which is tough. Denver could be tough. We'll find out tonight how their defense is looking when it comes to actual gameplay. The Chargers could be advantageous, and then Tampa Bay did a great job with the 49ers. So I think I'm going to leave Marcus Mariota on the bench. But if you want to swing for the fences, I don't blame you, especially if you ended up having you know, somebody that did not perform and you feel like you need a safer option. But for me, I'm leaving Marcus Mariota on the bench. Andy Dalton... I'm leaving on the bench. I don't really want to go into it, but I'll just say that I'm not yet a complete all-in on Zach Taylor's offense yet. Yes, I think that it worked and it looked great this past week, but I need to see consistency, and I need to see that that offensive line can hold up. Garner Minshew, uh, I'm still going to leave Garner on the bench. They're going to try and keep it as simple as possible for this rookie, but that doesn't always convert to fantasy points. He ended up putting up 17.6, obviously in limited amount of time, and he's owned in 0.1% of leagues, but I'm still going to leave him on my bench for now. Unless you're in a dynasty league, then you could potentially look into picking up Garner Minshew in dynasty. Malcolm Brown was interesting this past week. Malcolm Brown ended up putting up 17.3 points. He's owned in 6.5% of leagues. I am in one of them because I have Gurley and I wanted to be safe, but he ended up getting two goal line carries and, and got them both in. I'm a little bit nervous with Malcolm Brown, but I think you can pick him up as not only a handcuff, but also somebody they could end up producing on a regular basis. I'm not going to start him this week, but I do want him on a roster. I'm definitely going to take a shot on him, especially if you're weak at running back. He's got New Orleans up next, which is going to be tough for him. But then Cleveland, Tampa Bay, you know, we'll see how those matchups go. Seattle. By week five, they're still not going to have Jaron Reed back, so he might be startable there. San Francisco and Atlanta and Cincy are definitely startable options. Malcolm Brown is somebody that I'm definitely going to be checking out and most likely rostering. Vernon Davis, I'm going to leave where he is. I still don't trust the offense. Eli Manning, I'm going to leave where he is. Trey Quinn, no way. Darren Sproles, not enough volume. Rex Burkhead, you never know what the New England offense is going to do, so that scares me off a little bit. Wayne Gallman, 
No. <laughs> um, AJ Brown from Tennessee is interesting, especially if they keep producing. So especially in dynasty leagues, I might be trading for him. I could probably pick him up in a couple leagues if your depth is extremely, extremely brutal. Or if you tried to, to hold on to somebody like Darwin Thompson because you didn't know what was going to happen. You could pick up AJ Brown if you're on the back end of waiver wires this week. I already talked about Devontae Parker. I think he needs to be rostered. And then there's another interesting situation with Dare Ungumboale. Damn, I'm getting better at that, all right? It's a lot of work, but I'm getting better with that. And his receiving back role, if Tampa Bay's down big, then they could end up relying on Dare to carry the load when it comes to passing down work. If he ends up getting significant snaps and it ends up breaking off one or two, he could end up having some big, big games. So keep an eye on Dare. I might leave him on the bench this week, but we could end up talking about him a little bit later this week as a pre a pre-waiver wire pickup. But don't waste your waiver wire priority on that guy. Two other players that are going to be interesting to note are Adrian Peterson and Miko Hardman. So keep an eye on both those guys as well. Reports coming out so far is that Darius Geis could be back by week three. So if you have, to, if you want to use Adrian Peterson this week, because maybe you have some tough matchups, pick him up. Otherwise, don't waste a waiver wire priority on him. And then with Tyreek Hill, he's going to be out for multiple games. And yes, Miko Hardman did get a huge snap share. However, he did not get a huge target share. That could change this week, especially with defenses possibly game planning against Sammy Watkins. Miko Hardman could have a huge, huge, huge week. Hey, Daily Fantasy, I'm playing Miko Hardman everywhere, and I'm going to be picking him up on the waiver wires as well if he's there. So that's going to wrap it up for us when it comes to our waiver wire pickups for this week or my waiver wire pickups. Obviously, you cannot roster all of them. I wish that you could, but you can't. So you have to make a decision on yourself. If you guys have any questions for me, you can go ahead and write me on Facebook. You can leave comments. Whatever way that you guys have and get in touch with this podcast, with Fantasy Football Intervention, we would love, love, love to answer your questions. And we'll actually put them on our Facebook page for you guys and give you guys a shout out in our podcast. We will record every single question as long as they're within the guidelines and within the rules and aren't too crazy. But yeah, if you guys have any questions or concerns, please, please, please ask us so that way we can end up broadcasting your questions on our podcast. This is going to go ahead and wrap it up for us for Fantasy Football Intervention. I'm excited for this year. We started off pretty hot when it came to our takes, so hopefully we're going to keep it up. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Apple iTunes, Google Play. And then, of course, we did create our Patreon page. This is still not off the ground yet because we are trying to do so many things and we are limited with our time. However, we are getting this thing off the ground. I want to give a huge shout out to all you guys that showed up at Chicho's this past weekend once again. Thank you for supporting us. We will be back there next week with more prizes for you guys and our free, our free daily fantasy football live at Chicho's event. Huge shout out this past week to the winners. We had Heath, the bartender up there. Congratulations, Heath. And then we had Spiggle. Hopefully we get to see you guys again next week. Y'all can make it two in a row. Once again, thank you all for listening. Leave us five-star reviews. And thank you for letting us intervene with your fantasy football lives. Hey, my dope. My niggas is dope. Switch up is dope. Pick up is dope. They feeling away. They know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.